0: Ladies and gentlemen, Suki MMA is back for UFC Vegas 49, and you know, we did talk about it a couple weeks ago, we hadn't missed a pick'em card since we started this whole thing back in March of last year, but we did want to get more consistent with our recordings, and ever since then, your boy has been on fire. We go nine and three on UFC Vegas uh, 48. I even got some messages from some of you guys. I'm happy to help you with some of your bets and make some money, your pickups, whatever it was. Happy to do it. I just like to get to know the fighters and get some publicity out there for them if I can. Get their names out there. this is kind of just what i love about the sport in general so happy to be of service glad to be doing it happy you're here for the ride and you know like i said nine and three on UFC vegas 48 we hit the super saiyan pick with kyle Dawkins. i personally got him at minus 275 but i know that it closed around minus 300 but overall very happy with the card we go 33 and 27 in 2022 overall and we are three and two with the super saiyan pick so every wednesday guys 1 pm youtube we're going to be releasing the videos there we got the podcast going up anyway or you listen to your podcast so go and check it out shoot me a follow shoot me a like shoot me a subscribe gonna appreciate it every wednesday check me out gonna be helping you win some money with these picks so see you there very excited for ufc vegas 49 we've got some huge slates of prospects that are going to be on the come up i think after this card and i'm really ready to get right into it you know flyaway belt a lot of pace you got victor alter and carlos hernandez now both of these guys have very interesting takes right when you talk about resume victors is obviously the prettiest right lfa long-standing career that lfa 100 flyweight title only losses to jared brooks and that guy's now in one fc with an 18 and 2 record you know he's a pretty elite fighter in their rankings and so for me I really like what I see on paper now you talk about his Dana White contender series fight both of these guys ended up with a split decision very close fights and and very different types of fights right you talk about how Victor likes to take his time in the first round but in the second and third you saw him very much attacking some takedowns he's got good pace he moves around really well but the first round seemed like a very much like a feeling out process but for Carlos all three rounds I mean the pace was there it was go 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 and the my favorite thing about his game was in the third round you kind of saw him throw very heavy combos and I personally really like to see you know combos being thrown in the third round it shows good cardio it shows I mean even the willingness to just let it loose to try and finish the fight for your own sake in case it's close like these were very good you know decision making if that's what i want to call it but i really like the scrambling ability for me it's almost like you think about both guys wanting to get into those dirty, dirty areas right i really think that for victor it's about taking those those moments and landing those takedowns you you look at both these guys they're very active from their backs like to throw elbows they got the submissions going up there but carlos is very much a volume fighter push forward gonna have a lot of pace and i think that for victor his ability to, to change levels, and get some takedowns. I think it's really important to do that. You know, in his in his all of his fights, you can really tell the Danaway White Contender Series is just kind of the tail of the tape there, where that second and third round of him pushing that takedown game plan is is really really important. So. I, I I think this is going to be a very close fight, uh, but again, it's one of those game plans where it's like if Victor can land those takedowns, he's going to get the control time in there. I think that he's pretty well versed on the ground, where he's not going to find himself in too many dangerous places. Where with Carlos, I think it, it should be a keep it on the feet, especially in the third in the first round. Sorry, attack quickly, go right at this guy because he really is taking a feel-out process, get some timing down from what it looks like on the Dana White Contender Series, and so you might want to act quick, go fast, use that cardio, use that pace, and just put him on his back foot pretty quickly. But with that said, despite how close it is, I do think Altamirano is going to be a favorite when we guess this line. Minus 160 makes sense to me. I think the championship in LFA, I think the resume speaks for itself. So you got that experience down there. And I was thinking about the best bet, you know, spying that over is something to consider here. Let's check the wins, Let's see how it looks. But that, that over even one and a half, two and a half, see what it looked like. I mean, it could be a minus 400 line for all we know, but that's something to consider. But let's go with Altamirano as a minus 160 as the uh, favorite. I still think it's close. Odd chart does not have the lines up. Let's check bet 365. On bet 365, we've got Victor Almond. Okay, so Victor Altamirano is actually coming as a plus 110 underdog. Carlos Hernandez minus 138 favorite i think that's pretty much sums it up how close we think that fight is the line's also pretty new by the looks of it so i say check that fight out should be really really fun and probably gonna kick the card off with some really really fast-paced uh fighting and grappling my favorite part is the sequences of the scrambling so stay tuned for that next up we got ramiz brahimai versus michael gilmore now we have some pretty recent tape on both these guys brahimai is obviously taking this fight on short notice for johnny parsons but Stylistically, this might be a pretty good fight for him. You think about the Court McGee fight where he couldn't find any timing. Court McGee was not only able to box him up pretty well, but he then used the clinch work and the takedowns to kind of benefit his game and take over the control time as well. Just on all facets, Court McGee is just blowing minds right, left and center. But now you think of Ramiz Brahimai. This fight very much seems like something that's a bit more up his alley. Michael Gilmore, we've got some Petrosky tape on him. Tough alumni, both these guys getting into it in, in a pretty competitive belt, but Michael Gilmore did lose. And the big thing for me is he uses kicks a lot. Uh, he looked a bit tired in that second round as well, but the big thing about the kicks is Brahimai loves to go for the legs and take those takedowns. You see him shoot for the single and double legs constantly, and I just think that stylistically for how many leg kicks we see Michael Gilmore try to throw it just opens the you know door for uh, Brian to just land some of those big takedowns he loves and you can even see when he grabs that single like he really tries to sneak to the back look for those rear nakeds he's always looking for submissions especially through his takedowns it's constant transitions and I'm just curious how Michael Gilmer is going to be able to deal with that from the from especially from his back. Uh, this fight's going to be a bit of a grueling one, and depending on who's able to get some real big shots off in the beginning, I think that's going to spell for some at least damage. Both these guys are going to, need to do some damage, visual damage, because if it gets tiring, if these guys get you know really beat up by the third round, you're going to need some real big work done in the early parts of the fight, and I think that's where. Brian tends to push forward. He actually is a very exciting fighter in that sense. And if he can land that takedown, he's gonna be looking for the finish. So in that sense, you look at the recency bias, you look at where all all the areas where Brian Might can really dominate things. I can see Gilmore having success on the feet. If Brian can't land the takedowns, especially if Gilmore gets top position, I'm curious to see what he can do from there. but. All in all, Brian Ma is looking like a pretty big favorite, even as a short notice fight. I personally am going to put Brian Ma as a minus 200 favorite here when I guess the line. I, I just I, I see a lot of good things for him in this fight. When you look at the tape, you look at the recent fights, it just he didn't have that opportunity previously. But in this fight, a guy who loves to attack the legs, especially low, uses kicks in a big way. This is a big fight for Brian, Ma, and I think he, he could really prove something here. So let's take a look. And I think we're on the dot here without question. Uh, Bryomai is coming in as a minus 350 across the board. Open as a minus 333. Michael Gilmore plus 275. I'm going to say, I think is an easy parlay piece. I think if you wanted to even sprinkle the submission there, it's a potential option. He's going to be looking for the takedowns. He's going to try and look for those transitions into submissions. And if he gets them, it could be a short night. But best of luck. I think both these guys are going to look really competitive and Michael Gimmer is going to get a nice opportunity to showcase what he can do as an underdog, so stay tuned for that one. Next up for UFC Vegas 49, we got Alejandro Perez and Jonathan Martinez and a part of me feels like this is like a passing of the torch to the next generation in some ways, but you know, Alejandro Perez, you think about where he's come from, you know, the Latin America tough season 1. Like it's just such an incredible story that nobody really talks about but he's back i mean taking a guy like jonathan martinez who you know outside of that davy grant knockout i feel like he's been very much looking like a top tier quality fighter you know prospect wise he's definitely in the um, you know 99th percentile if you will but the way i see his, his footwork and his patience the counter striking those are all things i absolutely love you know the chin we've obviously seen some issues with that but you look at the nitty-gritty right in his last you know couple fights we've really seen the the evolved version uh, i i really like that he defended all six takedowns against ziad you look at the knockout that he got of lou with the knees up the middle he really likes to time that knee especially for guys who like to shoot kind of fires that knee from the back leg up the middle pretty hard and he's had a lot of success success with it but you know going into alejandro perez and you think about some of the finishes we've even seen from him you know that you know arm bars and the just a lot of pace from a guy who who brings that mexican style of fighting in a big way that's the part where you know I, i'm really trying to size up these guys because uh, i i really believe that jonathan martinez could very easily be a big favorite here you know he's the bigger name and stuff like that but i'm like rubbing my legs out of nervousness right now but you think what alejandro perez and what he's accomplished in the fighters he's seen i just it's hard for me to go against him as a favorite in some ways but i think that perez's level changing ability is going to what is going to be what dictates this fight if he can get jonathan to the ground force him to work for some get-ups and even maybe land some of his own power shots i think that we've seen perez do pretty much everything from an mma's perspective uh, and a fairly good uh, skilled way so I think that this is going to be competitive no matter what I think that judging by me picking Perez as a favorite or this fight being closer to a pick'em I can see that either guy could have some good juice on them in this fight uh, from a betting line perspective but I-, I think that Perez has all of the qualities of a guy who you know durable uh, can take the fight to the ground if he needs to, force uh, Jonathan Martinez to fight from the bottom, because I, I think those fighters tend to have the most problems there. And if you can force them to work off their back, use up their energy for things like that, it, it will put them off their guard. And I think right now, Perez is in that position. So I'm actually going Perez as a favorite here. I, I think that Vegas must see some kind of a an angle there for Perez to to still have it, if you will. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Martinez is the favorite in this sense. You know, the boxing range is so good. You talk about those kicks from the outside. That's where I can see him having so much success, which is why Perez's ability to get in close is really what's going to dictate this fight. So let's take a look at the lines we've got here. Alejandro Perez, plus 188. Jonathan Martinez, minus 250. Some places 175, minus 225. Bet 365, specifically showing... Plus 200 for Alejandro Perez and minus 250 for Jonathan Martinez. So I was relatively off with that one. But I do think that Perez is now in the dogger pass conversation here. I think that he's able to handle that counter-striking style, that slower pace. I think he can pick things up if he needs to. So I think this fight's a lot closer than Vegas is allowing you to believe. But we'll only be able to find out on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. Final picks, as always, Instagram and Twitter. Looking forward to it. See you then. You know, it's crazy to think that Terrence McKinney and Fresian didn't get the main card based on what they might be able to bring to the table, but both guys are young. I think there's a lot of potential on the table. You look at the way both of them kind of fight, right? Terrence McKinney, huge first-round boost of energy. Like, it's incredible how much he's willing to just push forward and look for big shots. I was even looking past Tape, and that Derek Minner fight, you know he it was the exact same guy we've gotten used to but unfortunately he he reverses uh, a takedown you know goes right into uh his guard and gets caught in a triangle so it's one of those things where you just think about that developing ring iq he's got such athletic background he's got the wrestling base to go with it it's just you need to get that experience you need to have that mind where You just stay out of those dangerous areas. You know, you talk about Sean Woodson, such a crazy, crazy, crazy fun boxer to watch. Great Muay Thai and, frankly, adrenaline dump on Dana White Contender Series. You saw Terrence kind of get finished in that fight. So it's like you're only now starting to really see him hit his stride, you know, uh, picking his shots well, using the chin movement, moving really quickly. And the one thing about this fight is I'm so curious how some of these guys are going to be when the third round rolls around. They attack so much in the beginning. You talk about a guy like Frezziem who was able to really dominate a few guys in the early parts of certain fights, but that Malarkey fight, you know, that last round really kind of cost him there, especially from a decisive win perspective. And I think you're going to be seeing a guy like Terrence McKinney who's going to go really, really hard in the first. Then a guy like Ziem who tends to deal with guys who who really do that grunt work and force you to, you know, pick your places to to, to get back to your feet, especially and look for open shots because ZM was definitely uh, struggling for a lot of that but he's got good get-ups his striking is very much on point and that's half the reason you can see people are trying to take him down but again I think that uh, Ziem's striking is something to take a look at power obviously McKinney he's got the power to go with it but that's when you talk about, you know, this is a fight that seems like people might say, you know, won't go the distance because of those reasons, but then there's the ones that always tend to go a bit further than you'd think, but I really think that this just comes down to McKinney being a lot more mature in there not looking to rush things and pick his shots, look for those openings. He's already gotten that one of the fastest KOs in UFC history. There's no reason for him to go for another one but again for ZM, it's he's got to be patient. I think that he's got to actually ride at ride out some of that time to see McKinney gets both in that, you know, late part of the first round if he can start doing some damage but that second and third round for both guys is going to dictate a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see one of them maybe both of them even try to just minimize the output of energy they have in the first to just make sure they're good for the second, but in that sense, you know, you think about everything that goes into this fight. I have to lean McKinney you know I think that ZM the struggles in the late parts of the fight You even talk about the Ventromini one in that third round it's all kind of part of a, a pattern there so McKinney minus 150 makes a lot of sense to me I just think that he's he's finally finding his stride and even when you look at the losses there's opportunities there for improving where it maybe just wasn't even his fault per se or a lack of skill uh, it was just lapse of judgment so let's take a look here we've got minus 160 for my boy and there it is terrence mckinney a plus 110 underdog line hasn't moved much you've got ferez zm coming as a minus 138 so let's see how it goes him's got a good chin for the most part we've seen terrence uh, terence mckinney Crawford. that's my favorite boxer terence mckinney really finds some power shots on guys who usually you know can withstand a few so let's keep it out on that one i I think that that's going to be one where mckinney uh kind of deserves some your attention but uh, we'll see how things go this week next up we got josiane nunez and ramona pasquale now this is a really interesting fight you know ramona's coming in on short notice she's actually from the you know china pi now training at syndicate for quite some time under coach wood you know they have to fight at 145 for this fight giving out short notices but they both do have plans to go back to 135 after this fight and you have to you know give Ramon a lot of credit coming in you know off of that Invicta big victory she finished a a pretty big uh way you know it was it was a solid combo and it was some big punches and In this case, you kind of think, is she going to be able to pull that off against Josiane Nunez? You haven't really seen Josiane tested so much. The one thing I loved about the fight that we saw her in against Bam Maliki was that she overcame some of that adversity with the height, right? I think that that's going to be one where a fighter like that's really always going to have to fight tall, uh, make sure that she's able to gauge that range really quickly because in, in this case, for example, Ramona is going to be a bigger fighter. I really believe that um, Josiane is someone who might even be able to lose a bit more weight even at that 135 mark, whereas this, whereas this fight's going to be at 145. And I think Ramona is going to be able to really showcase a level of strength and just durability here that might cause Nunez, uh, you know, maybe some of her energy or even finding ways to, to be able to, you know, exploit Ramona a little bit. But in the little tape that we've seen of Ramona, I feel like she looks pretty good. Uh, you see the power is there. She's able to finish on the ground too. Just a lot of good MMA overall. And in this fight, the size is the big thing that I want to see. Uh, I'm just curious how well she's going to be able to dominate both from a skill and strength perspective. For Josiane, you know, you talk about the fact that she hasn't lost since 2013 against Taylor Santos, who is currently an, a uh, sorry, a, a UFC fighter. And I'm pretty sure at that time Josiane was like 19 years old. So there's a lot of good things to like about her she attacks the body so well the way that nunez throws punches is what's making me really consider her as a pick here i i only can only assume she's between the minus 200 to minus 300 range it would blow my mind if she's not and if she's not very much a potential Super Saiyan pick. I just think that we've seen enough from her. But again, Ramona does have good ring IQ. You can see the way she kind of operates, the way the decision making that she has. She, she's born into it, and that's where I think Nunez is going to be on her. Going to have to be on her best behavior. Use some kicks, fight from a distance, then going with those combos if gonna land them. So for me, I'm going Josiane Nunez. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I said. If, I just it's hard for me to see her losing this fight especially with the camp that she's been looking forward to so let's take a look minus 250 was my guess nothing over here Josiane Nunes 200 I love that as a parlay piece I really really do uh, my big thing with her was it was primarily energy levels and seeing how she does but I think she's gonna be able to really really showcase some big things in that fight Last up, kicking our, ending off the prelims, we got Ignacio Bahamundes and Zhu Rong. Rong Zhu is actually what we're going with here now. I really like where both of these guys are coming from. You saw Rong Zhu, kicked off his UFC career in a bit of a you know, a surprising loss, but came back strong. I, I really like the way he uses his wrestling. He traces it hard. He's sticking to you like glue. He kind of looks like an old school Matt Hughes, right? But now we talk about a guy like Ignacio Bahamundes, who you know, from a very young age, is basically a national Muay Thai and kickboxing champion in Chile. He comes from a long line of fighters in his family. Uh, you know, there's something about his style that just screams technique. It screams flow. He's he. You know, the areas that I'm curious of is how good is the takedown defense against a guy like Rongzu who's going to be coming three rounds straight whether you like it or not you know you talk about him having a hundred percent takedown defense i think rongsu is going to do everything he can to challenge that You talk about the fight against john mcdesi which was a split decision you know a lot of different things we've seen from behind Dana with contender series you know knockout out the way he did It makes you excited to watch him fight he's got the knees coming up the middle constantly big elbows just a lot of great things you want to see from a guy who's that long so for me it's just really tough to visualize rongzu getting close enough and 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 staying that sticky because a guy like Mundes is going to be moving at all times to make the most of his space and that's where you know you talk about plan b's and what rongzu can do you know, whether it's not the striking side of things, it's, you know, working him into the fence, finding ways to cut off his ankles and just really force him to do things that he definitely does not want to be doing. And that's kind of the way you can overcome some of these types of, you know, matchmakings where a guy who's coming in with that much, you know reach advantage on you. and even if you're not so confident you're striking, it'd be a very long night for you and not to mention the long recovery. So I like Ignacio as a minus one sixty favorite here. I think that there is some recency bias. I think that his time spent, uh, over the last year just within the octagon and, and finding his footing in that sense from a very physical perspective, it's just hard for me to bet against him here if I had to. So let's go Ignacio Bahamundes is a minus 160 favorite. It just makes a whole lot of sense to me. And we are at minus 220 for Bahamondes. And, yeah, it's gone up to minus 275 in some places. Zoo is now dropping to that plus 200 or more. Stay tuned for that one. I think Baham has that one in the bag. Uh, A couple good lines that we might need to check out later in the week, so stay tuned for that. Kicking off the main card for UFC Vegas 49, we've got Armin Petrosian and Gregory Rodriguez. Now... Both these guys, once again, classic Danaway, I like to call it DWCS, but Danaway Contenders Series alumni, you know, the thing about Gregory's fight is I feel like it was very... It was a poor representation of of what we've seen from him as a fighter lately. You think of the Jordan Williams loss, you know, getting caught like that. You can tell, especially after the fight, listening to him talk. He was just very disappointed, I think, with that performance. I really believe that he thought he should have done better. He actually came back from that in a big way. You know, we saw him win an LFA title. We saw him come into the UFC on short notice and win. And now he's a 2-0 UFC fighter. And some of the things we love to see from him, right? The power is there grappling you know his ability to just overpower fighters in a very technical way is something I enjoy the most when it comes to uh, some of these like oversized powerful you know he's got a really nice uh, you know structure for that for that weight class He's, he's heavy on his feet he moves his head well. His, his power shots are big. So that's another thing I want to talk about. When you talk about Armin Petrosyan, what we saw from him on, De- on the Dana White Contender Series. He almost welcomes the grappling early on, kind of lets his opponent tire themselves up because he knows that's where they're going to go. But then you saw him let loose quite a bit, right? You saw him land those kicks. I really like the combos. I love the way he attacks the body. Both of them have really good boxing combinations, and so that's where i'm kind of curious where this fight goes because i think petrosian going to be able to really stand his ground from a striking perspective but we see him having to you know deal with wrestlers or having to deal with scrambles quite a bit And i think gregory is going to have a pretty sound mma game to, to bring to the table here and that's where i'm curious to see with the scrambling with gregory's boxing how well can he do in a fight where to be quite honest i think on paper gregory deserves all the credit in the world uh, like I said, we we watched him win that LFA title after um, his loss in the Dana White Contender Series. And the only real thing I see in this fight specifically that kind of worries me is when you look at the Jordan Williams fight, Like Gregory does have this thing. He keeps the guard up, but when he throws, he kind of keeps his chin out. There are moments where the guard's kind of weak, and you can tell punches can squeeze through. These are the kind of fighters, just like Jordan Williams, you want to be careful with because... If they land, it could it could definitely send some shockwaves through the body, right? So, again, I think you consider how good Gregory's been. You consider the technical aspect. I really want to see him enter those areas of the fight. I would love to see him get those takedowns, work some level changes, especially with that boxing, so we can really steal that control time, uh, ground positioning type of... Um, points with the judges because i think this is going to be hella competitive on the feet and gregory in my opinion has that plan b a lot more set than i would say petrosian does so for me I do like uh, Rodriguez as a favorite. I actually put him about a minus 170, but one bet that I did want to kind of look into as we check out the lines right now is the under. I can see it being fairly juiced, but at the same time, you consider both these guys having been finished in the first round. I really like the concept of both these guys just going for broke for three rounds, and they both seem to be the type that carry that power over you know, the course of a fight. So... It's an interesting bout. I think that the juice might be too high, but we're going to check it out actually together right now. I just want to see some great combos from both guys. I think that if Petrosian uses kicks a lot more than getting into those boxing ranges, he should be able to do a lot more damage. Those body kicks he was throwing up on the Dana White Contender Series were very, very brutal. And I think those are the areas where with a guy like Gregory, you got to set those combos up. Look for those opening shots up top. But use the kicks, use the body shots, use all those things to start setting up your big power shots up top to kind of throw Gregory off because I think Gregory has that op- option to switch levels anytime he feels like the striking's is not going his way. So I got Rodriguez written down here as a minus 160. I do think that makes a lot of sense based on what we've seen from him, the LFA title. Uh, this is a fight that you'd expect him to kind of be the favorite but then also you know like we said Armin Petrosian the type of style he's bringing this is just going to be a very exciting fight for both guys so let's go with Rodriguez minus 116. we're also going to check the under here give me one sec and Armin Petrosian and Gregory Rodriguez. So, Gregory Rodriguez, minus 175. Ding, ding, ding. We come in about minus 160 there. I'm going to say within that 15-point range, we hit that one pretty square on the head, if you will. But I like the line. I think that it respects the idea that Armin Petrosian might be able to do something big in this fight. I think that there's opportunity for Gregory to move this line into the minus 200s. He's going to have a lot of respect going into fight night. But again, this is a close line from the looks of things. And when you look at the fight to go the distance at minus 334, I don't even know if I would parlay piece that because these guys could end up really technical for three rounds and it goes through decision. I'm just saying minus 334 doesn't look so hot if that's the case. So maybe the two and a half, if you really like the idea of a finish at minus 275 as a parlay piece makes sense. I personally think one and a half for minus one thirty-eight. I don't know. I think this can turn into, you know, Gregory just riding the ground game for a bit if he needs to early on. And then all of a sudden, you're just seeing the second and third rounds out of nowhere. So keep an eye on that fight. I think weigh-ins are going to be really important. Both these guys come in nice and strong. So it's going to be dictated pretty heavily how they're feeling uh, come fight night around that weigh-in time. So I still like Gregory. I think that he has a lot more options to win the fight. So we'll find out come fight night, won't we? (laughs) Alright, so I gotta be honest, I don't think there's a fight I'm more excited about on this card. To me, this is my co main event. You know, Armin Sarukian versus Joel Alvarez. My word, this is such a high-level fight, and I'm shocked that it's not even, you know, in that uh, last two fights, if you will. It's going to be crazy exciting. I don't think that's even a question, but... Think about the storylines here, right? We've got Armin's big lone loss coming against Makachev earlier in his career. They're on the same card this weekend. And I just love the way Joel Alvarez has made a come up in the UFC. That that Thiago Moises fight, you think about what we saw from Thiago Moises up to that fight. Just just really give it a thought process. Yeah, had the Bobby Green fight. You had the opportunity to go and fight Islam Akachev. Like this guy was being talked about as a perennial top 10 fighter, if you will. Just such a good showing, you know, throughout the pandemic. But then, boom, he he faces this long, elite looking fighter named Joel Alvarez and gets completely pieced up. Let's be honest, since 2017, Joel Alvarez is 11 and 1 with all finishes, but a lot of them were on the ground. The boxing that we saw from Joel Alvarez in that fight was phenomenal. He attacked the body so well, and those elbows in close coming out of the clinch, like that just ended Moises very easily. And the thing that you love about him is for the long fighter that he is he naturally has that long jab he uses the push kicks and the leg kicks but he has such a good array of distance strikes and then when he gets in close he all of a sudden turns into this muay thai champion with vicious knees and these elbows that are cutting you up within seconds and i really like this kid man it's 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 crazy to think that he's taken a guy like Armin Sarukian, who a lot of people have pegged to be this you know, potential title contender over the next few years. Like we said, main loss is Isla Makachev. And you think about the way he approaches fights, I think this is just an incredibly elite matchup. The defense on the feet for Armin is going to be huge. 1.4 strikes absorbed and 62% defense. It's going to be very important here and that's where i think when you really break these two guys down the one area i think arman might have an opportunity here is just that volume striking the level changing now we know that alvarez is so dangerous off of his back and arman's gonna have to be very careful with that but judging by the way the fights have gone for joel so far and the way Tsurukian fights, you know, I think taking this fight to the ground makes a lot of sense for him, at least from a control perspective, get some of that ground and pound going. Obviously avoid some of those big chokes that Alvarez loves so much, but you just think about where some, some advantage can be gained, you know, Alvarez from a distance striking perspective is looking better and better and better. And I'm such a big fan of what he's doing right now, and you think about just all of the success that Alvarez has had on the ground, it makes it so difficult to see where a guy like Armand and can really find success, that's the part that I'm really curious about and that's the thing about Joel's game right is you can actually see him utilizing the takedowns to take the fight to the ground and actually try to see how good Armin is off his back the most beautiful thing about Joel's game is how well he utilizes those distance strikes to then set up his strikes from in close like it was an absolute beautiful performance against the guy like Thiago Moises I just that was one of the more shocking performances I've seen in a long time, and it just comes from the level of domination. Just, it was hard to see Tiago Moises go down in that way. And I, I think Alvarez, uh, for a lot of people, especially the diehards, just became a fighter to watch in, in a huge way. And i think armin's already been on that list for quite some time so that's what makes this fight so important for the just the ufc over the next like year or two because these are the guys that we want to see fighting for titles over the next three four years that's a fact so looking at this fight as closely as we have i really think that Sarukian should still be the favorite here and the only reason i think that is because when you consider just the overall level of competition that Armin Sergian has seen over the course of his career, I do, I do think it trumps Joel Alvarez a little bit. But the improvements that we're seeing from Joel are, are astronomical. So I think it's a close fight. I'm going with Armin as a minus 150 here. He's got the resume. He's got the skills. And to be honest, the game plan seems fairly legit to be able to get in close, work some in-close striking, clinch work, get it to the ground if you can, and just avoid those big chokes. Whereas for Joel, it's like... Keep using those distance strikes, man. For a guy who's smaller, you're gonna be able to get some serious damage in there. And once you do, you can get in close and just have your way with them. You know you're good on the ground. You're gonna have confidence off your back. So there's just a lot of things that both guys can be happy about. So let's go armor as a minus 150. MMA, I think that's a fairly close line with just a slight edge. So let's take a look here. Yeah, so I mean, that's pretty close, right? I mean, just minus 225 opener. Now about a minus 220, minus 200 in some places. Bet365 currently has a line for these two at... Minus 210 and plus 175 for Joel Alvarez. I gotta be honest, man. As good as I think Armin Sarukin is, to see Joel Alvarez as a plus 175 underdog after the fight that we just watched, there's a part of me that thinks that that is a dog or pass bet. It's just, can you believe in Armin so badly that you want to take him at minus 210? I'm sorry. That's a really tough line to swallow and Joel Alvarez at almost plus 200 just looks so juicy right now. Keep an eye out for that fight. I think it could easily be the best fight of the night. Next up, we got Ji Young Kim versus Priscilla Cochera, a.k.a. Zombie Girl. I'm a big fan of Zombie Girl. I think she's an exciting fighter. I think she got a bit of a bad name, uh, bad break after the uh, Jillian Robertson fight. Bad decision-making there, but at the end of the day, she's been very exciting since she joined the UFC. I think that she's one of those pandemic fighters that got an opportunity of a lifetime and just ran with it. I think the excitement factor really keeps her in people's minds. Just love that nickname man, Zombie Girl. Pushes forward, reckless intent. She's the true definition of a brawler. But that's where you start to figure out you know, where 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 can she go wrong? Like you can take as many shots as you want but are you able to land? You look at the Luana Carolina fight. You know, Luana Carolina is a great example of a fighter who fights long. She's not very volume oriented but she's got those precise kicks. She likes to use lengthy strikes, long jabs and With a fighter like Priscilla Cochera, you know, that's exactly how you want to fight. She does not want to see the ground very much. If you want to stay standing with her, you just got to keep the distance and really just, you know, pick at her and pick at her till you know, the, the fight's over or if you can actually finish her. Jeon Kim actually does that pretty much, you know, all fight. She's constantly on the balls of her feet, moves laterally very well. She throws out that jab quite often both to set up her combos and also gauge that distance. And for me, it comes down to how well she utilizes the kicks in my opinion. Luana Carolina had the perfect game plan, she's she's kind of the prototype fighter uh, to beat Priscilla Cocher in my opinion and you know Kim has the, the skill set, that's exactly how she fights but you know when you look at her previous fights you don't see as many kicks being thrown and I think this is a great example of where you have a brawler who just pushes forward the kicks are going to work really well in your favor so whether it's leg kicks or body kicks I think those are areas and those are skills you really want against a fighter like Priscilla. and. In this case, you're kind of hoping that the volume striking, the jabs that she throws kind of add up over the course of three rounds. And that's where I'm kind of seeing, you know, we've 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 been on Priscilla uh, pretty much for those big wins that she's had now in the UFC. And, you know, even that Gina Mazzani fight, you, you really appreciate the things that she brings to the table when she can showcase the skills. I think that for the most part, when you get those more, um, technical style strikers i think that's her kryptonite i think that when you don't want to just stand and bag and go absolutely crazy it definitely uh is not what she's looking to do so you think about the jillian robertson fight you know jillian's so good at walking through damage and dealing with punches and adversity in general and just getting the fight to the ground and once she does that she kind of has her way with you and you know we saw that in in the priscilla fight but you talk about the jinyoung kim fight you think about the you know the skills that we've seen from her over the past. I mean, that meatball Molly fight, I think it was just one where she had a good first round. But man, did Molly gain some confidence later in that fight? You look at the way she approached the second round. I can even remember Jung Kim throwing a punch and just Molly eating it. And it, you, she had that face of someone's like, OK, I got this. And from that point on, you know, the head movement was there. The combos were there. And I, and I think that's where Priscilla can find some success. If this just turns into a bit of a boxing slug fest and Priscilla's able to use, you know, let alone the head movement or the or the defense, but She likes to just take the punches and keep going. So even if she's able to do that in this fight, I think that she's going to be able to find success in that boxing range. That's where she wants this fight. And if Kim can't use kicks to keep her at a distance, this could get very ugly and very dirty in those boxing areas. So like I said, you want to follow anybody uh, in terms of the... Priscilla Kuchera game plan, I think Luana Carolina did it perfectly. You know, you accept the fact that you might not be able to finish her, but you land the strikes that you know is keeping her at a distance, getting you points and doing the damage you need. So for me, just based on how we've seen lines with Priscilla Kuchera in the past, I think that her her style of fighting isn't getting too much respect from Vegas and kim is going to look like the more technical fighter from the start and i'm gonna give her a line about minus 160 i think it makes the most sense here but you know knowing me i'm probably going to be riding that priscilla in no time but let's take a look here opening line kim comes in as minus 225 but nope that's moving down she's coming back into that minus 150 to uh, minus 200 range and man priscilla was actually about that plus 188 close to that plus 200 range is now coming down looking at uh bet 365 for a live line Priscilla is now all the way down to plus 150 with Kim coming as at minus 175 so pretty good line movement there in favor of Priscilla I mean if you are going to ride the dog it seems like that line is going to get better and better for her uh sorry for Kim so I would say pick that up right now if you're feeling it I don't think there's gonna be a finish here there rarely is unless Priscilla really finds that success in the boxing I think Kim's style of fighting it's really going to be that point style get as many of that get as many punches and kicks landed as possible keep your distance and avoid that brawling distance you know because Priscilla's coming in the co-main event we've got Misha Surkinov and Wellington Turbin now this is a fight where you kind of see two guys who are relatively similar in the way they approach things, right? Think about the early issues on the feet. Wellington, we've seen him get finished uh, pretty quickly by Silva and Sanchez. Surkinov, you know, a lot of those uh, decision-making susceptibilities in the first round have cost him as well. But on the flip side, both guys are, are very good submission artists. I think that Surkinov will be the guy that can find some success a bit Better early on. I think that Termin does, you know, kind of take time to get used to the fight, get his feet wet. And in the early going, both are very open to some pretty brutal uh, finishes there. And you look at their last fights, right? Both split. You look at the Alvi split win for Terman You look at the Jotko split loss for Surkanov. You know, I really thought the Judko fight for Serkinov was a good one because I just didn't see uh, Jodko being able to finish early in that fight, which gives Serkinov a bit of that edge to be able to exploit his st- his skills a bit more. And the one thing about Serkinov is he's able to finish a lot in the first round. So for me, this seems like one of those fights where if we get out of the first round and either guy is showing you know, a lot of confidence or a lot of dominance, if you will, There's a chance it becomes a fairly beat-up fight come the third round. You know, both guys could be wearing the damage well, or just be hella cardioed out after kind of going those two two and a half rounds of just you know looking for submissions, grappling. At this, at that, that weight class can be very grueling, and one of these guys is going to decide to either shoot or, or get this fight into the clinch areas up against the fence. Whoever makes that mistake first on the feet whoever feels like they're taking too much damage on the feet, I can see just really making this a grappling match, a grueling, you know, just an in-close type of fight that some people might not enjoy. Um, There's excitement on the back end. You might see that big finish by one of these guys, whether it's a, a knockout or a submission, the opportunity exists just given the susceptibility of the chins. And again, we talk about best bets, right? Of any fight on this card, you always have that idea that whatever you think is definitely going under tends to go over but like this is one where the susceptibility of both guys chins the the success that they have with submissions and how quickly they can scramble for how big they are it's just the early going could could really be uh that area for either guy which makes the under or the not go the distance a little uh tempting but for me I really want to see both guys stay competitive. I think that they're on the tail end of just seeing where they're at in the UFC. Those win some, lose some kind of brutally, but then come back and win some. It kind of keeps you in a uh, limbo with the UFC because you kind of win and lose. They can't really cut you unless they feel like it, but this is one where... You think of Wellington, the two and three record, but against pretty good competition. You know, is this one where he might be able to rectify that boat, go 500 in the UFC, and then you take about Serkinov, who was basically in title contention at, at some points of his career. I think this is the fight for him to, to lose. I just think when you, you consider what he should be able to bring to the table, especially early on in the fight, push forward, look for those big strikes. I think Wellington does take his time to get his feet wet. And in this case, you know, the experience, the skills, there's just a lot more for Cirque enough to go on, in my opinion. And I... I I can really see him using those those skills in boxing and working that clinch, he's a powerful guy and for me, seeing him on top, being able to do some real damage to the ground and pound, I mean, turman has been in a position where just from you know guard, ground and pound, we've seen his chin give out on him, so all those little areas where Surkinov might be able to pull off a big win in the first round, they do exist for him in this fight and on the flip side, turman being able to find ways to avoid some big shots early to not get knocked out or finished in that way then you start finding ways to roll start finding ways to grapple see where you can find your openings maybe take some back time those are the areas where I think Terman's really gonna start looking for openings as the fight progresses if he can get out of that first round and the same thing for Serkinov I think he might be a little more tired um, as he comes out of that first and second round so that's where you might want to give Terman a live dog edge but right now I'm going Serkinov minus 180 I just think that the experience past title contention some of the you know the looks that he's seen from fighters in the ufc just really does set him up for success in this fight so let's go circon 180 i think that line makes a lot of sense and wow this fight is a pick'em. so we've got minus 118 opener but from what i can see this line of the entire card is by far the closest so you've got Live, minus 125 for Serkinov, and a plus 100 for Turman. So if you've got a lean in that one, by all means, go for it. Personally, I don't see a bet that I would absolutely love here, but I do like the under as something to spy, but Serkinov to win the fight is something I definitely like. So keep an eye out for that one. I think experience does trump everything else that might happen in that fight, but you never know. Both guys have finishing ability, and it could go either way, and Vegas thinks so too. And now we've got the main event, Islam Makachev. You know, he he misses out on the Benil Dariush fight, but he gets a short notice, Bobby Green. You know, Bobby Green's one of those guys that the hardcores know so well. There's so many little memes and stories and all those things coming up from out of the woodwork, uh, you know, over the years for Bobby, which is great for him to get the exposure. But now you're talking about him coming in at 2022, getting a lot much, you know, a lot more of a, a bigger fan base. Some of the younger crowd that's coming in now. And let's, let's think about what are the ways that Bobby Green can even try and beat Islam Makachev. You know, for me to even say that there's a chance or that he can do it is going to be laughed at. You know, even my line, I've got Makachev minus 350. Like, I get where Vegas sees it. I get where all that's happening. But we're trying to figure out if there's a way for Bobby Green to pull off that big upset. And for me, it's the footwork. I think that, you know, a lot of people are using the Dan Hooker... Uh, fight as the gauge with the MMA math if you will where you know if he can beat Dan Hooker like what's Bobby Green gonna do but look at the way Dan Hooker fights you know the lateral movement isn't so much he's really good at moving in and out he's willing to take one to give one and the thing with him is that his combos will make up for it so if he takes one he's trying to throw two maybe a couple to the body and come back up top that's how Dan Hooker fights but that's where Bobby Green's a little different right Bobby Green cherishes his defense. He he likes to roll with punches. He uses that shoulder very well to keep himself out of danger when it comes to the boxing. And for me, that footwork, the lateral movement, the ability to see the takedowns coming. I, I'm really curious if, you know, he said it in an interview with Ariel Hawani how he just doesn't think anyone's taken the fight to Islam. And I, if there is a guy that's willing to take the fight to anybody, it's definitely Bobby Green. I think he has the stand-up skills to do damage of his own, and i think he has the footwork and takedown prowess takedown defense prowess to be able to sense when those takedowns are coming the big thing for me in this fight is how good is Islam gonna look on the feet he's got that crazy defensive you know those defensive numbers are massive and they as he gets further and further in his UFC career things like 0.79 strikes per minute and 70 percent defense is going to look godlike for the rest of his career if it stays that way and That's where Bobby needs to be consistently moving forward. He needs to be looking for openings. Use that sprawl to the best of his ability. The moment Islam is able to wrap his arms around you, I think that's where it's going to be tough. It's not about being able to get out from a skill perspective or strength perspective. It just so happens that when these guys get on top of you, their ability to manipulate your weight with theirs, understand balance, they just don't let you up. And I think that's where Bobby from a perspective of just not going or getting into those areas, he has one of the better chances you've seen for most of opponents. Think about Benil Darius. Yeah, he's got really great jiu-jitsu and tends to get out of those areas, but he's also a very, you know, forward but north-south style fighter with big power shots. I think Bobby Green is the prototypical fighter you want to see against a guy like Makachev, you know, the constant moving around, the long jabs, the kicks. You know, I think he's going to be a little smart with the kicks to see when and where he can throw them to avoid getting caught and put on his back, but again, I'm all about the hand speed and the lateral movement here. I think that even visualizing this fight, seeing Bobby move the way he does, getting those strikes in there, it's just you need to be so elite and so focused in on that game plan of avoiding the takedowns, boxing a slam up that... That's what you're figuring out. Can a man do that for five rounds or at least till maybe he finds the opening for a finish? Because for Makachev, it really is about avoiding strikes, using his his very improving boxing to get his own damage done and then find the way to the ground as quickly as possible. And the big thing for me there is, Is Bobby going to be able to scramble? Is he going to be able to get out of submission areas? I think that's where Islam has just looked so good against everybody. Where they just haven't been able to get out. And is Bobby going to be the first guy that can do that? That's what remains to be seen. And, And to be honest, I'm not jumping at the chance to say, yes, he can. It's one of those things where you just see the skills that Bobby brings to the table. And I just can't help but feel that if there's anyone from a confidence perspective, attitude perspective, skills perspective... I don't think there is a better matchup for us to see for Makachev. It's like if Makachev can deal with a guy like Bobby, then you're going to start to really give him respect as an overall MMA fighter because. Now he's dealing with the guys that are quick on the feet. They have versatile striking, good takedown defense. And to be honest, have fought pretty much a plethora of UFC level talent over the course of his career. Like this is a great fight for Makachev in the grand scheme of things, because as a notch on the belt, I really think this is a fight where he gets to tell himself he took on a certain type of fighter, one that is actually quite dangerous skill and, and, and style wise for him. he dominated so for me i'm going makachev as a minus 350. i'll be honest i think in my crazy ass mma brain i really have kind of told myself that there is a chance for bobby to win this but i still think that a minus 350 line for makachev makes sense even with that slight opportunity there um that might exist and i'm way off so makachev is a minus 800 on this card bobby green is a plus 550 i mean if you're taking makachev at minus 800 makes more sense to either climb an under or even maybe a finish let's take a look makachev to finish by dq or submission is minus 225 that line is pretty juiced if you ask me bobby plus 550 the fight to go the distance no is minus 350 yes plus 250 i think that's another lovely sprinkle i think that bobby's scrambling ability and, a, and just ability to avoid getting finished is really really good we're just banking on Islam being the best to ever do it or one of the best to ever do it and we're going to see if Bobby can avoid that so all in all I think that's a very exciting card like I said tons of prospects to keep an eye out a lot of guys who are going to be climbing the ranks with big wins so Keep it locked to Suki MMA. We're back on the winning trail. UFC Vegas 49 is here. Keep it locked. Subscribe, like, follow, all that fun stuff. And looking forward to the next card. Peace.